Hey fam, Pastor Lamar here from Revealing Truth Ministry St. Pete Campus. I'm excited about this opportunity to share a word from God with you. I'm equally as excited about your decision to hear it. I believe right believing equals right living. So I pray that the seed of this word is planted in the soil of your heart and produces a great harvest. Let's get into the message. I want you to say this declaration with me. Say, God loves me. Jesus is for me. The Holy Spirit is in me to lead and guide me. I am a disciple. I'm a disciple maker. Go ahead and greet the person next to you. Let them know that you're excited about being here with them today. Give me a beat, man. So we've entered into a message series titled Greater Works. That's the word for 2020, Greater Works. That's what we're expecting, right? Amen. And, um, you know, greater work, greater worker, right? Greater work. Greater work comes through you as God does a greater work in you. Amen. This uh, Today, I want to teach from the message title, a care worth casting, a care worth casting. And um, so with that, we're going to start in the same place that we've started the last few weeks. Um, but I just want to catch something that we kind of been reading over. I want to bring it out. OK, so look at Acts chapter one, Acts chapter one. If you didn't don't have a Bible, which everybody, if you got a cell phone, you got a Bible. Um, but if you want to, you can refer to it on the screen. Remember, our brother Luke wrote the book of Acts. Same Luke that wrote the gospel bearing his name. He wrote them as letters to an associate of his named Theophilus. And Luke, being that he was a doctor, was very detailed in his descriptions of the accounts of Jesus and the disciples. You got it? And uh, this is how he starts um, the book of Acts. Y'all with me? Dear Theophilus, the first book I wrote was about everything Jesus, say this with me, did and taught. The book I wrote was about everything Jesus did and taught. And I want to pull that out right there to let you know that in his ministry, not only did did Jesus teach, but obviously there were things that he did, right? He had a ministry of doing and teaching. He did and taught. Both are important. We know that he did many wondrous works, many miracles, right? And he also taught great revelation on the kingdom of God. You understand that? He taught a message of grace. He taught a message of truth. He taught a message of a reconciled person a person who is in right standing with God. He taught from the perspective of a person who had already received a right position with God. So he did some things and he taught some things. Now, the message to us as followers of Christ, disciples, as Christians, is that our ministry, 
All of us should have a ministry. There should be something that you're doing for God. Our ministry should also include doing and teaching or doing and learning. Along with your learning, there should be some doing. Matter of fact, there should be some doing that comes from your learning. Like if you're leaning, see, we have to, you know, we like everything to be balanced, right? And there are many people who lean a lot on the learning and they're light on the doing. And there are many people who are heavy on doing and light on the learning. And we don't want to be in in any of those positions. We want to have some doing that's founded on some learning. I'm going to even go deeper than that. I want my doing to be birthed out of my learning. I'm called to be supernatural. I'm not called to be a mere human. The life that I live is birthed from revelation from the taught word of Jesus Christ. You understand that? I got to have both doing with my learning. My goal is that my whole life be consumed with the doing of what I've learned. My goal is that the, the scripture says in several places that the just shall live by. What does it say? The just shall live by. How does faith come? And I want you I don't want you to stop there. I want you to add hearing the word of God taught from the lips of Jesus. Do You understand that? Because we don't live by just any word from God. We live from the word of God that was taught from the lips of Jesus is what the scripture actually says, if we're going to quote it, quote it right, right? So my whole life should be a reflection of revelation. Everything that I do, my whole activity should be birthed and should be able to rest on top of the foundation of his word. So we live lives of doing and learning, learning and doing. I learn to do. I do because I've learned. As a matter of fact, your, what's important to you should have come from what you learned of what was important to him. The cause you carry should originate in the cause that you learned that he carried. Because you're a Christian. You're not here to live by your own rules. You're not here to live at the whims of society. We don't follow trends that are in one day and out the next. But as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, my life, my decisions, my activity is tethered to his word, his life, his his teaching. I live from what I've learned. Matthew chapter 11 Verse 28, very popular passage of scripture. You can put it up there. Very popular passage of scripture. Um, You know, it starts out by telling us, Jesus says, come to me, those of you who are heaven laden. Come to me, those of you who have a hard yoke and you're burdened down, right? He says, come to me. And the next thing he says, this is the part we kind of skip over because we want to get to the next part about him lifting all of that stuff. The next thing he says is, learn of me. You can't get to his yoke and his burden without learning of him. You'll never know what his yoke and his burden consist of if you haven't learned of him. Understand this. Understand this. Every believer needs a yoke and a burden. And I know you're trying to get it up off of you. And I know we've accepted this idea that we're supposed to just live life lightly. And today no one wants to be yoked and no one wants to be burdened. And even in the church, we've accepted this idea like you ain't supposed to have it. 
So we, 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 we live in a generation has nothing to do with age, everything to do with mindset. We live in a current generation that wants to be free. They don't want to be yoked up to nothing. Just want to be indifferent to everything. And nothing really matters. You know, I can go this way one way, that way the next. And nothing really matters. It's not really that important. But Jesus says, learn of me. And the reason he put that first is because you won't know what's important to him until you learned it from him. You won't know what's, what he valued until you learned it of him. You won't know what to care for until you learned what he cared for. You won't know where to place your resources, your energy, your talents, your ability. You learn why did Christ do what he did? I got to first learn what was important to him before I decide what's going to be important to me. So we learn of him. We learn this from him. You see that? We learned this from him. The reason I studied Jesus is because I want to know what was important to him. I want to know what he valued. I want to know what he placed priority in. When I read the scripture, when I read about Jesus, then I know what cause to carry. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There's so many people who want to live life without a yoke. There are Christians who are trying to live life without a yoke, as if that's what he said. But it's not what he said. He didn't say, I want you to live life yoke-free. He didn't say, I want you to live life burden-free. He said, I will trade you. I want to take what you have and give you what I got. The yoke and the burden Prior to Jesus, was the, it says um, in one of the translations, it says that you're living with a yoke and a burden that's been forced on you. That's what religion does. Religion forced, forces things on you. Self-righteousness forces responsibility on you. Self-effort forces responsibility on you. Self-effort forces you to do things for yourself that God already has done for you. And that's a hard yoke. And that's a heavy burden to care. When you got to think about your whole life here on this earth, plus your eternal life, and you're trying to do that by yourself, that's a lot of weight. When you think about, you know, what you can actually do in your strength and your power and your ability in order to get yourself right with God, that's a lot of weight. That's a heavy burden to carry. So Jesus says, I will trade. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. One of the points that I want to make to you today is that there's definitely a burden and a yoke for you to wear. Yeah. There's definitely a burden for you to carry. Every believer should have a burden. Every believer should have a yoke. When we learn the cause of Christ, when we read his life in the scripture, when we read his priority, when we read and learn where he placed his priority and his level of importance, then we'll carry that yoke. We'll carry that burden we will understand where we want our energies and our efforts and our resources to go. But it was, de- it was determined not by society, not by mom and them, not by culture, but it was determined the values that I've set in my life were determined by what he valued. What was important to him becomes, becomes important to me. What's priority to him becomes priority to me. Every believer should have a yoke. Every believer should have a burden. Oh, if, you, if, you're not, if you're not burdened by anything, I wonder, what, what, what have you been looking at? I want to I check you at your love walk. 
If you walk around, I mean, you ain't even got to leave your house. If you just look at your family, if ain't nothing burdening you, I, need, I question your love walk. You turn on the news and you look at the state of society, if nothing, nothing, you don't feel nothing. You have no cause. David said there is a cause. There's definitely a cause. All of us should be weighed down by something. I know I'm messing with your religion. I'm going to help you out today. I'm going to help you out today. That's what I'm here for. An ox without a yoke is unproductive. An ox without a yoke don't get no work done. How are we going to plow these fields and that ox don't have a yoke on it? A beast of burden without a load is reckless. That donkey should have a load on it. Get to work. A Christian without a yoke reminds me of Proverbs 29, 18. Without vision, people cast off restraints. That's what a yoke does. A yoke constrains you. But that's where a lot of people want to live without restraint. I just want to be free to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, put my resources wherever I decide because it's mine. I work for it. I should be able to do whatever it is I want to do. Matter of fact, we got the nerve to pray to God for more so I can turn around and do what I want to do with it because I have no yoke. I have no burden. I have no cause. As a Christian, we should be living the cause of Christ. What was important to him should be important to us. Amen. Amen, amen. Listen, I was riding in the car with Mackenzie. Y'all haven't heard a Mackenzie story in a while, so I thought I'd give you one today. I was riding in the car with Mackenzie some weeks ago. It was in the evening time. I had just picked her up from school. I had a long day at work. She had a long day at school. Both of us was a little tired, a little hungry, ready to get home. It was probably a Tuesday or Thursday night. Tuesday and Thursday nights are our nights where we don't have much to do in the evening normally, so we can go home and just have some family time. Everybody relaxing, chilling out. We were looking forward to getting there, but it was the in-between that you always have challenge with. I mean, everybody want to slide into home base. It's the in-between that challenges you. You know, before I get to home base, I got to go through this traffic, right? So I picked her up, and I'm a good daddy, so I'm, you know, I, I care that she's safe. I make sure that she's in her safety belt. I care enough to make sure that she has something to entertain her while we commute to where, from where we are to where we're going. So she's in the back seat, I'm in the front seat, and we both seat belted in. I'm trying to do a better job of making sure that I ain't looking at my cell phone while I'm driving, you know? Cell phone's down, so I got my hands empty. I'm at 10 and two. Hands at 10 and two. I wanna make it safely through this North St. Petersburg traffic. This is kind of reckless. Got baby girl in the back. I peeked back there every, you know, once or twice to make sure she was good. She was consumed in whatever six-year-olds are consumed with when they ride in the back seat of the vehicle. She had, I don't know what it is. That wasn't my concern. You know, I just, I'm, I'm driving through this traffic, going to pick up Mama Bear so we can make it home to our Thursday night activities. So I, ain't really, I don't really care about what it is you're doing. I just, as long as you're safe. So I can't really tell you what she was doing. I don't know. Maybe she had a pen and a pencil and some paper and she was writing some things. I don't know. 
Maybe she had some toys and she was playing with the toys. Whatever it was, she was fine. So I'm riding and everything is good. And she's quiet. She ain't asking me a thousand questions. That's good too. So at some point in this journey, I hear her start to whine. She's whining. And I can't really recall. I don't even recall what she was whining about. I just know she was whining. And maybe she was saying something like, Daddy, I dropped it. Daddy, whatever, I had, whatever she had in her hand, whether it was a pen or a toy, she's whining because she dropped it. But it ain't nothing I can do about it. I'm trying to drive safely through this traffic. I'm not, I can't help you right now. So I gave a response to her. It was no response. Might as well not said anything because it didn't solve her problem. But I was good because we driving through this traffic and we almost at our destination and we'll just hold on. And then all of a sudden, from the back seat, out of this six-year-old body, I hear something that arrested my attention. My daughter says to me, Daddy, if you cared the way that I care, you would be crying too. What just happened? What? I have no idea what it was doing. I have no idea what it is that caused her so much worry. But I knew I had to remember what she said because that will make a good message. <laughs> Daddy, if you care the way that I care, you will be crying too. Wow. Wow. That word care is an interesting word. Interesting word. Right? It's so interesting that even when you go to the hospital, they have many ways that they define it, many ways that they categorize it, right? You go into a hospital, I mean, you can go to a hospital, you go to a hospital to receive care. You go see your doctor, so your doctor care for you. And you go to a hospital and, and they are not really concerned with what your need is, they, they are to care for you. So you can go to the doctor for a headache, right? You can go to a doctor because you've severed your finger. Two extremes. It doesn't really matter to them. No matter what we say about them and all the negative attention that they get, the hospital is filled with people who care for people. They're just there to care for you. You can go to a doctor. You can go to the emergency room, sit down on the table. They'll even bring you a chart with faces on it, some smiley faces, sad faces, and have you rate the level of your pain. Y'all know what I'm talking about? In order to determine the level of care they give you. That's why they do it. Their level of care, as a matter of fact, they, 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 they will overdo their level of care based on your level of need. You go to the doctor, you say, I got a headache. They'll give you an aspirin, a cup of water, have you sit down on the bed for a few minutes. Right? You go in there. I mean, you can receive, you can receive urgent care, intensive care, and emergency care. The level of care they give is based on the level of your need. There's a problem that I see with folk today. I wouldn't doubt that anybody in this room cared. I believe everybody in here cares. Whether or not you care is not the question. 
But what I bring into question today is what level of care. If I were to measure your care, does the intensity of your care meet the need that's in front of you? What I see today is many church folk want to give aspirin and water to people who need emergency care. And you got some urgent care situations that you're applying little doctor room care to. So it's not a matter of whether or not you care. I just question the intensity of your care. Like, how much do you care? How much do you care? I mean, do you, do you really care? I mean, it's great that you called me. I wasn't able to answer. You left a nice voicemail. But do you care enough to call back? It was great that you came to the homegoing service. I was glad to see you there. But here we are two months after my loved one has passed. And where are you now? Your action determines the level of care that you give, no matter what it is that you do. I can measure your care by what you do. So my question, my question for us is, how much do you care? How deep does your care go? How far is your care willing to go? Are you really providing the care needed? We're looking at the problem. We see the cause. We see the situation. Are we providing care that's adequate for the problems we face today? And I know we're in this season, we're in this place where, you know, even maybe your, pop, your favorite TV preacher told you that you shouldn't care about anything. And this is a problem that I have, and I shared this with you all before. You know, there are things that, that, that church folks say they believe that contradict other things church folks say they believe, and we don't never do the work to reconcile it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, you, could, you, would, say, you would say in one sentence, you would say that, I'm, that I ain't caring about nothing. I, don't, I ain't caring about nothing. But that's a lie. There are plenty of stuff you care for. Some stuff you shouldn't care for, but there's a lot of stuff that you should. You care about your family, you care about your job, you care about people. There's a lot of things that you care for, right? Why don't we reconcile this? I mean, what, when, when, when the scripture says that I'm to cast my cares on the Lord, for he cares for me, what is he really saying? Is he saying that I should live this life without care? It can't be true. It can't be true because I know, I mean, we could list our, our, our most favorite Bible personalities and not one of them didn't give a care. All of them care. I mean, we can go all the way to Genesis, right? Noah did what he did because he cared. Noah took 120 years to build a boat sufficient enough to save some folk. And he did it because he cared. He definitely cared. He cared. And then we can measure the extent of his care. We can measure his extent of his care based on his consistency. He cared enough to be consistent. He cared enough to be at this work every day for 120 years. He cared enough to overcome the people laughing at him. And everybody in the known world thought Noah was a fool. But that didn't stop Noah from doing what he cared about. We can measure his care. We can measure his care in the fact that he was successful in doing what God called him to do to the detail. Like there was excellence, excellency in what Noah did. 
Like, do you care enough to be excellent at what you're doing? I mean, do you care? I understand that you have a level of care that gets you to do it, but do you care enough to make sure that it's done right? Do you care enough to do it again? You cared enough the day that you did it the first time. But can we rely on you to do it again? What's the level of your care? Can we measure your, measure your care? You cared enough to get the job done. But did you care enough to get it done with excellence? You cared enough to show up one time. But do you care enough to keep on coming? You cared enough to read it one time. But do you care enough to keep on reading? You cared enough to ask the question. But do you care enough to really get the answer? And then beyond that, do you care enough to adjust your life to line up with the answer that you got? Can we measure your care? What's the intensity of it? Noah cared. Abraham cared. Abraham had great care. Abraham cared enough that his care carried him from home to a place he didn't even know where he was going. Abraham cared enough to take his son of promise up on a mountain and was ready to sacrifice him, ready to make a sacrifice to the point that God said it was good as done. He cared that much. When's the last time you cared enough to sacrifice? We got people today. I just going to talk about church folk. I ain't talking about that motherfucker. I'm talking about church folk. We got church folk today who, who, who say they care until their favorite TV show come on. I mean, can we measure your care? Can we measure your care? When's the last time you cared enough to sacrifice? When's the last time you cared enough to give what you really want for yourself? Can we measure your care? What's the extent of your care? Is the care that you're providing adequate for the needs that are in front of you? How much do you care? Moses, Moses cared a great deal. Moses cared enough. Listen, and Moses' care, Moses' care started before he led the people out of Egypt. Moses' care can be measured way from the beginning. The fact that he was a prince living in the comforts of Egypt and was willing to sacrifice that and give it all up for his people. Moses cared a great deal. Moses' care sometimes led him to do some things that he shouldn't have done. Right? Moses cared enough to flee Egypt and go and live on the backside of a mountain. Moses cared that much. Moses cared enough to heed the word of God when he, when he received the instructions to go back to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. In spite of Moses' inadequacies, where he saw himself being not sufficient, not having enough, not eloquent of speech, Moses cared enough to overcome those things to do what it is that God called him to do. Moses cared that much. Moses cared enough to lead a people to the Red Sea. Obey the word of God and get the people safely across to the other side. Moses cared that much. Moses cared enough that even though these people complaining and getting on my nerves, I'm still going to pray and intercede for them. God, you can't kill them. Don't destroy them. I'm going to intercede for them. I don't need no more. Just let me do what you want us to do with these right here. Moses cared that much. When, when the last time you cared enough to pray somebody in your prayer time? While you praying for your bills and your family and your house? When, when you cared enough to insert some other people into your prayer time? When you, can we measure... Your care. Moses cared a great deal. Moses cared a great deal. Moses cared so much that he consistently went up that mountain in order to have a time with God. Where it was just him and God alone. Getting revelation, getting strengthened, getting encouragement, getting understanding. Moses cared enough to pray. Moses cared enough to consistently pray. Moses cared enough to have time where it was just him and God. Where he heard from God. Fellowship with God. Got to know God. Like. 
if we evaluated your care, would your prayer time be adequate? Would the time that you spend just you and God, would the time that you spend in his word fit the need that's in front of you? Like, how much do you care? You care enough to wake up early? You care enough to go to bed late? You care enough to study? You care enough to be consistent in your diet of God's word to you? How much, really, how much do you care? Where does your care start? Where does your care end? I know some people, we can list some people who cared all the way to the end. Right? We know Jesus cared. Jesus cared a great deal. Jesus cared so much that even though he was in a flesh body, the Bible says that the same things that tempt you tempted him. The same desires you have, he had those same desires. He wanted to hang out with the fellas. He had that thought cross his mind. He probably wanted to get with the girls. He had that thought cross his mind. The same things that tempt us tempted him, but he cared enough not to yield to the sin. He cared that much. He cared enough that even in the face of agonizing responsibility to the point that he prayed till his his sweat was like blood, he cared enough to say, not my will, but your will be done. He cared enough to, even though the threat of crucifixion was so real, he cared enough to continue his cause. He cared enough. He cared enough to not cry out. When he could have cried out, he cared enough to not cry out and got put up on that cross. Stretched arms, nailed arms, nailed feet, unpierced brow. Having the ability to get down, he didn't get down because he he cared. We can measure his care. We can measure the intensity of his care. We can measure how much he cared. I care all the way to the end. I care to get the job done. I care to fulfill the responsibility that I was sent here to fulfill. He cared that much. He cared that much. We can leave the Bible and talk about some modern day people who cared a great deal. Here we are a day before celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King. Dr. King cared a great deal. That at the age of 35, he was willing to take the responsibility of being the face of the civil rights movement. He cared that much. He cared enough to, that he, even though I, I would very much choose to live a regular, normal preacher life, <laughs> but the things in front of me caused me to care to the extent that I'm willing to sacrifice myself and sacrifice my family for the cause. He cared that much. He cared enough to go to Nashville, Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, and give a speech in the face of threats. He cared that much. We can measure his care. And was it easy? You think, you think Dr. King stayed up some nights? Oh, yeah. There's a scripture we read a few weeks ago where we know Jesus stayed up in that mountain praying all day. You think he did that because he cared? Absolutely. How much sleep you think Moses missed? What about Noah? But today we got people who don't want to care that much. I don't care. I care, but I don't. I care, but I care. And we come up with with churchy stuff like God got you. I mean, I I care for you, bro. You know, I'm here for you. 
But if you if you require of me to do something that I'm not comfortable doing, that I don't really want to do, if you if you if you want me to come pray with you, while the game on, God got you, man. God got you. That's why I check out. But God got you. But the truth is, I don't care that much. I'll pray for you. Maybe. We don't say the maybe out loud, but really it's a maybe, if I remember, in my prayer time. Which can't be right now. Like, I could pray for you right now. You asked me to pray for you, I could pray for you right now. But I don't care enough for all these people to see us praying up in here right now. I don't care that much. Like, can we really measure, can we, if we were to measure your care, what, where would we be? Because people don't want to carry cares. We don't want to carry care. And the question that I have for you is that you should be carrying a care that's worth casting. You should be carrying a care that's worth casting. Look at Psalm 55. We know that scripture, that was the scripture, cast your care on the Lord for he cares for you. When we refer to that, we look at Peter. It's in 1 Peter chapter 5. We'll look at that later. But Peter was actually quoting Psalm 55. We believe that more than likely these are the words of David. Let's look at it first. Um, Psalms 55. Y'all got it, right? Psalms 55. I think it's verse 22. Let's get it. It's actually the first time we see these words, cast your cares on the Lord. For he cares for you. Cast your cares for the Lord. I like it in the Amplified. Let's look at it in the Amplified version. When you find it, it says something like this. This is how it says it in the Amplified, and it's beautiful. It's, it's going to hit right where we are. It says, cast your cares on the Lord. It says, and then it says after that, you know, the Amplified amplifies it, makes big the definition of it. So in the brackets, after it says, cast your cares on the Lord, it says, you know, casting the whole weight of them. Come on, show it to the people, man. Psalms 55. They got an electric Bible back there. It ain't even like you got to flip through pages. So, verse 22. Psalms 55, verse 22 from the, from the Amplified Version. Here we go. Cast your burden on the Lord. Look, releasing the what? Your care should carry some weight. There should be some weight to it. Why you want to walk around like just free and quesera, sarah and tiptoe to the tulips and every day is a sunshiny, bright day. The Bible says that you should be carrying a care that has some weight to it. It should have some substance to it. Like you should actually have something that you can feel. You should care about something enough that it's, it's heavy on you. How else, how, how else would you cast it? If it didn't have any weight to it. That's the problem with a lot of church people trying to live like weight free, carefree, carefree. They don't have nothing worth casting. You don't have nothing worth casting. You haven't chosen a cause, chosen a purpose that's worth casting. Have you ever tried to throw something light? You ever try to throw a feather? Anybody? How far does it go? It ain't worth casting. But so many people want to walk through life feather free, feather light, 
you don't have nothing that's heavy enough to cast. But the scripture says that your care should have some weight to it. You should have a care that has some weight to it. And I can feel the tension in the room right now because me and you ain't talking about the same cares. See, there's some things that you've chosen to care about that don't qualify in what Peter was talking about. Oh, uh, shoot, I'm about to get in your business now. You ready? There's some things that you've chosen to care about that don't make the cut. There's some things that you've chosen to care about that are feather light and they're not casting. Let's look at, uh, let's see what we want to do. Let's go ahead and look at it in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. There we go. Here it is. You ready for it? Therefore, humble yourselves. I love that he starts there. I love that he starts there. Everybody knows verse 7. Everybody knows that I should cast my care on the Lord for he cares for me. Right? Cast my care on the Lord for he cares for me. Cast my care on the Lord for he cares for me. This is a very meaty passage of scripture. All of chapter 5. You should read it. A lot of, you know, a lot of popular scripture come from 1 Peter chapter 5, right? 1 Peter chapter 5, before he talks about you casting your care on the Lord, he talks about you humbling yourself, demote yourself, get a low estimation of yourself, bring yourself low. You know what he's telling you to do? The stuff that you thought were important, lower that down, submit it to Christ. The things that you promoted to a place of high priority, bring it down and make sure that it comes underneath the priority of Christ. See, there's some things that we care about that really don't carry weight. Humble yourself in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. Verse 7, casting the whole of your care, and the Amplified uses these words, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all. And, I, and, and look, look, let me help you. So this care, the one word we use, care, C-A-R-E. If we be honest, many times when we approach this scripture, we don't even apply all the definitions we use this word. Because, you know, there's care that you like worry, like I care, I'm worrying, I'm anxious. But there's also care that you receive at the hospital. Let's bring both of those definitions in. You, you feel what I'm saying? Okay. And then on top of that, this word, one word that we have, care, in the Hebrew, like if we were to go back, Peter is quoting Psalms 55, okay? So when Peter makes this statement, when Peter writes this text, he's referring to ancient text. Peter, who more than likely is speaking in Greek, which was the language of the day, is quoting a scripture written in Hebrew, which was the language of that day. So when Peter says care, when Peter uses the word care, he's not just talking about how care is defined in his time, but he's also referring to how care would have been defined in that time. And that's the interesting thing, because the Hebrew, in Hebrew, this one word care has many words. You want me to tell you what some of them words are? You ready for it? 
I'm about to open this scripture all up for you and never see it the same again. Are you ready for that? Some people want, some people might want, some of you might want to just stay with the thoughts that you're thinking before this message because you, you, you was just feeling good saying that you was going to cast all your cares on the Lord and you like your definition because you want to stay in the comforts and the confines of what you already decided and determined that you was going to do anyway. So I just want to let you know before I say what I'm about to say, I just want to let you know that after I say it, you're going to be responsible for it. So if you want to hear this, if you've done, you want to check out, you might as well go ahead and leave right now. But if you, I'm going to say it, and then once I say it, it's on you. It's going to be in your mind, and every time you hear this, you're going to think what it really means. And it may challenge you to change the intensity of your care. You ready for that? What you say, Ms. Andre? Get him. I'm about to get him. Woo! Here it is. So here's, here's, here's some of the words. For our one-word care, here's some of the words that have been translated to our one word care. You ready? Service. 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 Cast the whole of your service on him. Oh, mm, change things already. Cast your service on Jesus. Why are you trying to serve all of these other things? Cast your service on him. You want me to give you another word? Worship. Mm-hmm. That one word that we translated into care, worship. Cast your worship, the whole load of your worship on him. Cast your worship on him, your worship, the service you give, the things that you offer, Right. And, and, and today we're challenged because there's so many things that we can idolize and so many things become idols and so many things become important. And while we're worshiping all this other stuff, Peter is saying, no, cast all the whole of your worship on him. And then let me add, because not only did they have a list of words that translate to our one word care in Hebrew, but there are also different words that translate to our one word care in Greek. You ready for those? In Greek, this word that we care, it meant, okay, so a care, noun, a care is anything that divides your attention. Get an image of that. That's why the worried person, their mind is never on one thing. They just everywhere. Right? Thinking about everything. Can't even cook right because you're worried about all this other stuff. Can't apply your full energy to anything because you're worried about all this other stuff. So a care is anything that divides your attention, anything that divides your mind. To care is to have a divided mind. You tracking? A care is anything that divides my mind. To care is anything that, that I allow to have my mind divided. Now here's the thing that I don't want you to miss. It could be a good thing to have some things divide your mind. Some of you need your mind divided right now. Because the place that you set your care 
doesn't line up with what Jesus cared about. So you need, you need a care. The place that you've set your attention has very little to do with what Jesus would have his attention on. So you need something to come and divide your attention. Uh. Casting the whole of your worship, casting the whole of your service, and then casting the whole of your care, care for Jesus. Care for Jesus. Right now I get a picture of Mary Magdalene. Right. The lady who came in with that alabaster box, she broke it open and she cared for Jesus. She put all of her care on him. She poured all of that, you know, the um, that that alabaster box. Remember, Judas was upset because it was very precious. And it says that it was worth at least a whole year's wage. She took that alabaster box, broke it open and poured that that anointed oil all over Jesus. She was caring for him. She casted all of her care on him. Imagine what it took for her to do that. Here's a lady who, if, if we believe it's Mary Magdalene, the same woman that he cast out the seven demons, the same woman who was living a life of um, prostitution and promiscuity. He, she delivered, she was delivered from all of that. So imagine all the cares that she carried. Imagine all the cares that she carried. Imagine the weight of being ostracized from the rest of the society. Imagine the weight of having a reputation. Imagine the weight of having that as your past occupation, right? So she collected all of her cares, and they materialized in an alabaster box of ointment. And she took her cares to Jesus, broke it open, poured it on his head. The Bible says she took her hair and wiped the oil from his feet. She was casting her care on him. All of my energy, all of my wealth, all of my resources, I'm placing it on you. Undivided attention on Jesus. She casted her care. She casted her care. Casting the whole of your care on him. And this part trips us out too. This is where, and, and, and I just tell you, because, you know, some people are trying to get to know me, so I'm just letting you know a little about, a bit about me. This is one thing that bothers me. It bothers me when people just sit with conflict in their minds and don't question it. It's like, why aren't you, you don't care enough to know the truth? Because it don't even make sense. We used to say, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. And you still imagine the care is worry, anxiety, and all of that stuff, and it's not good. So you're saying that in your same mind, the same mind that will quote that scripture in that way, the same mind, what did you see Jesus doing? Like, can you imagine Jesus, if care, if care is only worry, anxiety, and stuff that, that we don't want, you're saying that I'm going to cast that stuff on Jesus because he's going to do that for me? I mean, can you imagine Jesus up in heaven wringing his hands, worried about you? You think that's what Jesus is doing? You think that's what he's postured himself to do? Worry about you? You think Jesus worried about you? You think Jesus is anxious about you? You think he's losing sleep over you? That wouldn't be a confident savior, a mighty conqueror, delivered her. What are you worried about? He already delivered you from some stuff, huh? But that's how we've been reading this scripture. Like I'm supposed to put my worries on him because he's worried about me. You're right. What type of savior are you? Yeah, please. Mighty God. <laughs> What's some other things we say about Jesus? Worthy is the Lord. King. 
That ain't too kingly. Worrying about me. What are you going to be worried about me for when he already did some stuff for me? He already finished the work. What are you worrying for? Don't make sense. So how can I reconcile this? How can I, how can I, what do I need to do? I'm going to care enough. I cared enough. I cared enough to find out what this was really saying. Even though in our English language, we use care for the care that you cast and he cares. We use the same word, but in the original language, it's not the same word. It's different words. Cast your care, cast your worship, cast your service, cast your attention, cast your affection on him for he serves you. I can cast my cares, the whole weight of it on him because he is caring like a hospital for me. I can cast my full attention on him because all this other stuff, he's serving me. That's good news. Is it good news? Anybody glad about it? Anybody happy to have King Jesus caring for you? Ready to serve you? I can put all my attention on him, all my affection on him. I can direct all my strength, all the fullness of my capacity. My whole mind can be put on him because he's caring for me. That's good news right there. I can see Moses walking up to the Lord Jesus and casting the whole care of all the two million people that he had in his responsibility, casting it at the Lord. And the Lord cared for him. The Lord cared for him with the 10 plagues. The Lord cared for him by opening up the Red Sea. The Lord cared for him with the pillar of, of, of fire in the, in the night and the cloud of smoke in the day. The Lord cared for him by sending the quail and the manna. The Lord cared for him by making water come from a rock. That's the Lord's that's the Lord's care. That's the Lord's care. And in the season of greater, I want to see that type of care. How do we get to that type of care? Have a care worth casting. Have a care worth casting. How did a little boy, little barely 20, barely not even 30 year old boy from Atlanta, Georgia, make it into the Oval Office to talk to presidents? Not one president, but two presidents. How did that happen? Because he carried a care that was heavy enough to cast it on the Lord and the Lord cared for him and gave him favor in the season when the nation was unfavorable. The people who looked like him, he had a care that was worth casting. Oh, shoot. We got church folk. Wonder why they can't move nothing. Because you ain't made it to a care heavy enough to cast. Worried about stuff that you can do for yourself with the strength that he already gave you. You need a care worth casting. That care should have some weight to it. There should be something that keeps you up at night. I pray to God that God give you something that wakes you up in the middle of the night. I, I, I know people that, that wake up in the middle of the night and keep a notebook by the bed because God going to speak to me while I'm sleeping. I wish you would have a care like that. I wish you would have a care that required God's involvement in your life. We need some cares like that. I need a care that causes me to get up out the bed Put on some clothes, do something with my hair, and make it to the house of the Lord. I need some people who care that much. 
I need some people who show up even though they ain't even meeting day. If the doors of the church is open, I'm coming in because I care that much. I need some people who care like that. I need some people who I ain't got to have a position, no title. Nobody ain't asked me to clean the bathroom, but I see it's dirty, so I'm going to clean it just because I care that much. I'm calling for some people like that. That's who I'm looking for in this season. I'm just letting you know. That's what, that's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for some people who care. I'm praying for some people who care, care enough that I see a fingerprint on the glass. I'm cleaning it up. I care that much. I need some people who care enough that I don't even like people in my house. But I'm open up my house and invite these people in because we need to have some community. I care that much. I care enough to get off of me, humble myself, forget my priorities, forget what's important to me. I care enough to submit myself to the things of God and just come on. God. I care that much. Measure my care. Measure my care. Measure my care. I need some folks who care enough to sow seed for harvest they won't see. Dr. King stood on the platform on April 3rd, 1968 and preached the message and said, you know what? I ain't even going to get there with you. But I've done all that I've done and I do all that I do so that we get there. I ain't got to see the harvest, but I'm going to sow the seed. I need some people who care that much. We're being called to care to that level being called to care in a season where it ain't popular, it ain't trending, but I care about the things of God. And I'm going to I'm I'm hold on to the things that's trying to slip away. While society trying to take some stuff from us and make it unpopular to do some things, I know this has value, so I'm going to hold on to this. And even if I got to hold on to it by myself, even if I got to build this boat by myself when everybody else in the world is saying it's foolish, I care enough to do it. And that type of care comes from people who have learned of him. That type, of that type of care comes from people who have spent time looking at Jesus. And we've learned of him. We've learned of his sacrifice. We've learned of what he gave. We've learned of what he overcome. We learned of what he suffered with that he didn't have to suffer with, but he chose to do it because he cared. So I'm willing to take up my cross and follow him. I'm willing to spend enough time in prayer, spend enough time fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit that my character be changed enough that I care that much. Because I really want to follow Jesus. And I really believe that one day I'm going to see him and I really believe that even though his great love is going to overshadow anything I did or didn't do in this earth, I really don't want to stand before him and not be satisfied in what I gave. Some people take advantage of another person's love. And they conclude that, you know, they're going to love me. But I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person. When I get there, I want to be done, finished, spent. Look at this body. It's worn because I serve people. 
and I missed some sleep. And I took some trips, I did some things. You know, Friday night, I have a daughter that's in Georgia. Friday afternoon, I left work, flew to Georgia, flew to Atlanta for a show that lasted two hours. It was worth it though, because that's my girl. Didn't get back to a hotel, which I should have did a better job choosing a hotel. But I figured, hey, I'm only going to sleep for about three hours to get on the plane to be back because we got things to do in church. Our baby's going to be in the parade. And even though I didn't sleep that well at this hotel, I'm going to be there because I care that much. And I'm inspired by other people who care that much. And when I think about the care that somebody else gives, because I know a man but I wake up by 4 o'clock every morning to prepare to serve other people's children. And he'd been doing it for about 13 years. How can I look that man in the face knowing that he cared that much and I don't give a care? But we say stuff like we're going to be surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. What do you think them people witnessing to? And how are you going to stand in front of them people who gave life? How are you going to stand in front of the people in Hebrews 11, them women who gave their husbands to die and saw them resurrected? How are we going to stand in the company of those people and say that, Eh, I ain't care that much. Not me. No. Mm-mm. No. Uh-uh. Every seed you sown, every seed that was sown for me, I took advantage of the harvest. That's what I want to be able to stay. They did nothing in vain. Those who labored before us did nothing in vain. Jesus did nothing in vain. I care enough to even if it's just uphold what they did. I care that much. I care enough that my, my mindset is, if I can go here, if I can make it up here, then the folks who come in behind me, this is their start. I care that much. And I think that's what God is calling for in this season. Since the purpose of a message is to bring people to a place of decision, what I'm putting before you is to evaluate your level of care and ask yourself, is the care that you're giving adequate for the needs that's in front of us? The answer is no, then there's a decision for you to make. There's a decision for you to make. Wow, what a word from God. I'm glad you got it. I pray the Holy Spirit continues to minister this word to you throughout the week. Join us again next week. Till then, love you.